We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Be chest or breast, bro? Is it supposed to be real or silicone? Man, we done asked everybody all around the world, and they still don't know. Yeah. Hey, Big E, let's just keep it PG. You know what's good. Just don't get all rated R like your boy Xavier Woods. We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Shout out to the sponsors. We are back for another week. Timely. It is Kel Dansby here with Andreas Hale, like always. A lot of stuff to talk about today. No fanciness. We're jumping right into it. 
because it's a busy weekend. It's International Fight Week. It's always busy for us. Um, UFC is here in Vegas. We're enjoying it. If any of you guys are out here, hit us up. We'll all enjoy it together. There's two fights this year instead of three, which I'm thankful for because I'm not dog tired like we usually are. But, uh, you know, there's something else distracting us. There's other stuff outside of the world of combat sports that we have to touch on. And just to make Andreas' day, he's been hitting me up the entire week about this since the news broke. Rob K and Black China, they're going at it again on social media. Andreas, you got to be upset about this. First of all, why are you lying? I've not been hitting <laughs> you up all week about this nonsense. It's, dude, it's, it's like I always say, stop living your life on social media. You got to have a private life at some point, right? And this dude is airing out his dirty laundry. And, and who's looking like the fool at the end of the day? Is it him? You're, it's yeah. always the person who airs it out, right? Always. It's like you're playing yourself. Because especially with some of the things that he said, uh, you know, he tried to air out by, by saying that she, he paid for her surgery and, you know, she's a cheater. But it's like she's cheating on you. And <laughs> you paid for the surgery. Like, Again, man, like if if something happens to you in your relationship that's really personal, I, I don't understand the need to put it on social media. I, I don't get it. Like, what do you want? Sympathy points? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Listen, sometimes you got to talk through the pain. Um, I can't crush Rob because obviously anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I put everything on this podcast. So I don't hide a damn thing. We are polar opposites when it comes to that. And in many regards, which is why we have a podcast. Um, so I'm a believer in putting stuff on social media. Does it backfire often? Yeah. But it does kind of, sometimes you just got to get it out. And us as a culture isn't like into therapy or some people might be too broke for therapy. So you talk at whatever platform you may have. Now, leaking nudes and private conversations and pictures of the dude she cheated with and all that stuff. That's stupid. Because then you start looking like an idiot. So you can voice your opinion. You can say, I'm hurt. You can say whatever. Black China left me again. How could she do this to me? Okay, I'm going to pick myself up. It's time to motivate myself. Yada, yada, yada. But once you start throwing out the nudes of the body that you paid for in some regards, my man, you were just loving it. And that's the contradiction, too, which bothered me, which is like, yo, how could you sleep with me and then sleep with this guy hours later? And, oh, everyone, look at her fake body. And this used to be so much better. It's like, my man, you just slept with her. You just hit that. Like, you just were loving it. So if you didn't find out this info, you would have been loving all the fakeness. You paid for it. You gave her 100K in jewelry. Like, you look like an idiot right now. And she probably gave, like, the watch to the next dude. Just smanging it in Miami. Happy as hell. Yeah. See, I, again, I just can't rock with this whole living your life on social media thing. I mean, why tell this stuff to a bunch of strangers? Social media and the internet are built for people to deliver negative comments. <laughs> it's It's like... Like it's very rare that you'll read an article about anything where you see the comment section is a bunch of people saying "great job" or "congratulations" or "I feel bad for you." It's a majority of people who don't care and just feel like being trolls and saying you know evil shit to you. So why put your personal life experiences on social media? Because you're not going to get anything back but negativity. I just I don't get it. I don't. I just don't understand it. You're hyper personal though. 
but that's, I think you're that on the you opposite should. end of the spectrum. But that's that's my thing. Like, I mean, even for me, the, I've benefited from that. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the less people know about me in public, the better. Because why? I mean, there's got to be some mystery. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I don't want to. Like, if I was single, you know, granted, everybody knows that I'm married. But if I was single. I wouldn't want to meet somebody and they'd be like, oh, well, I know your whole life through social media. So I, I prefer to, to keep some mystery. And, and in, in the Kardashians case, which I know we're like way off subject on combat sports. But in this guy's case, you know, every woman from this point on is going to look at him as, you know, a money bag. Like, he, like he's, a, he's a sugar daddy. I mean, he is. He's been a simp for quite a long time. But, but that's his and that's <laughs> He's his not going to change fault. the stripes. My, my point is, I just don't feel sorry for anybody who put things on social media and then it comes back to bite them at the end of the day. I feel a tad bit sorry that well, I'm not too sorry that Black China had to because it's always whack to me when someone leaks nudes. It, it just is. There's no acceptable reason to leak someone's nudes, especially if you're in a relationship. Like yeah. that's something like that was your girl, that's your fiance, blah, blah, blah. That's between you two. But for you to put that out in the world is whack. I don't feel overly bad for her because she takes pictures like that all the time. Like, she was a stripper. We've seen all that. So it's not our first time. But still, it's whack on his behalf. Like, those were private for you and whatever other men she sent the same exact nudes to. So that's something between you and the five other dudes to keep to yourselves. And you don't got to share it with all of us. Like, we could have all imagined what Black China looked like naked. Fine. Whatever. We didn't need that. Like, it's proof. And he was begging for the nudes. You got to so, crop that out, my bro. Like, you got to delete your end of the conversation, then take the picture. Because you begging for the nudes and for her to send them, and then getting one whack nude where she just shows you a little bit in the car, some, that's a telltale sign right there. It was going left. It's, it's all bad. It's, it's all stupid. You know, like, a lot of people trying to defend black China. Yo, you're whack, too. Like, all y'all are whack in this situation. So it's like... <laughs> And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know these people personally. So when I see stuff like this come up, I just like, this is all lame. Like, all of this is corny. You know, she came up, all right, fantastic. But she ain't making money like he, like the money that he has. So it's like, you know, whatever dude that she's cheating on him with, I'm sure doesn't have the same amount of money. So she got her fling. She got her quick money. She got her baby. Well, never mind. She does have the money. She has the baby. So the baby's going to definitely deliver that loop. Forever. Um, yeah, that's, that's one thing you can't run away from is child support. So... It's 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 stupid, man. It's all dumb, and um, I'm I hope this. I mean, this is not the last time something stupid like this is gonna come up, but it's it's disgusting. This is what I'd say quarterly for the Kardashian clan. There, man, that whole crew is whack. Like but, somebody got to be doing something. Like if it's too quiet, something got to pop off. And it was just his turn. His turn to bring in the drama. Um, just because I always like you know prying stuff out of you. Since you are hyper-personal. Has a girlfriend of yours ever cheated on you? Have you been on the opposite end? Have you been Rob Kardashian to a degree? Never been Rob Kardashian. Yes, I've been cheated on. It happens. Um, I mean, if anybody, if any man on the planet believes that they've never been cheated on, then they're fools. No, but I mean, <laughs> listen, there's some men who are lucky enough out there to not know they've been cheated on. Shout out yeah. to those women. Right. taking that it's, to the grave yeah but everybody has man it, it sucks and it, i mean the, the last thing i would ever do is go, like go to like even when it happens to you in school did, did you like run and tell a bunch of people yo she cheated on me 
Because you look like the fool when you say something like that. You got to keep that. You got to keep that inside. (laughs) That's my point, man. But yeah, of course. Okay. How would you find out? See, this is what, because you're you're so calm and mellow. You couldn't have just been chill like, all right, whatever. It's over. Like all suave with your curls back in the day. Nah. No, it's over. And then just walk away. Like, did you wild out? Yeah, I got a temper. So, yeah. (laughs) I was, of course, I was upset. It's I'm not going to go into great one. detail, but yeah. Um, I was upset, man. I have, I have a bad temper. So when I found out uh, through other people, I was not happy. And, you know, I just couldn't deny it. It got cornered. So it was what it was. <laughs> I, can, I am at least grateful to hear that you box other people into corners. It seems to be the thing that you do. Yeah, of course. You're cutting off all <laughs> angles. <laughs> Footwork, man. Footwork. <laughs> nah, you know, since Andreas doesn't share like details or anything, I usually share details. I leave out names. So being cheated on does suck. Uh, been cheated on. Let me count on my fingers. Three times. Three times in my life, I would say maybe two. And that's generous. Uh, two were when I was young, so I don't count. So three total. Two was when I was young. But the time that really counts. It is so whack, and I think we've touched on it before on this podcast, and my rant on never trust the work husband. Yeah. And I will revisit that notion. There's no such thing as a work husband, because either that work husband likes men, in which he's bad-mouthing you at every attempt, because he's her BFF, or that work husband likes women, which means he likes your, your woman. So, that is how that goes, and... When you find out, see, this is the only thing, I was too logical for the situation, and I talked to her about it, and I was like, yo, if that's what you want, like, we're good. Like, I can, my exact words were, if you want to cheat on me, we're good money, but just know I'm going to cheat on you, and I can cheat with five times as many people as you can. So do we want to start this game? And it turned out that we didn't want to start that game. Um, She backed down from her stance. I was like, all right, cool. We'll see what's going on. And we were done like four months after. But we tried to work it out after that. It just so happens that I was young and wild and cheated with three people. Um, No, I got a full-fledged girlfriend. It just so happened that I was like, yo, whatever. And I just stopped caring. got a full-fledged girlfriend. (laughs) Like, um, while being married, which I do not suggest. This stays between us on this podcast. Right on. But... Sometimes you just got to one-up people. Uh, you know, you got to be the king of petty every now and then. But that being said, it's just, I, I regret, and I always hear these stories. I feel, I saw the dude. I kind of got a glimpse of him in passing. He, he worked out a little bit, but he did no leg work. I feel like I could have offered, I just could have ran up on him and caught the, he'd be like, yo, here, hold this fade. Boom. And I would have won the fight. I haven't been in a fight in so long. I feel like that would have been a perfect opportunity to just catch him with one. And it would have made me feel better. Like, you, you got to say, like, that's one thing guys never admit. You can go and get, like, five girls after being cheated on. You can go on, like, your, your spree of mandom and just get it in and try to hit everything moving. None of that helps. I think the only thing that helps is being able to punch the dude in the face. And it's not even his fault. I still don't blame him. Um, shout out to him. Everything went perfectly fine after that. Uh, I hope all is well with him and his wife and their situation. Figuring they both cheated at that moment. You know, I hope he has a strong marriage still um, with whoever he cheated on. But I should have punched him in the face. 
That's the Why? only thing I remember. Did he, did he know you? Yo, he had seen me. I remember the grimiest part about it all was it had happened, I guess, early October. And it happened like a couple times and there was like chatter around her office or whatever. And people were making jokes like, oh, why do you guys always go to lunch? Why do you guys always creep off? Oh, you guys must be doing something, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, they know you married. And she would come home and tell me, like, they're crazy, blah, blah, blah. Lo and behold, they were doing this. So where there's smoke, there's fire. But I was like, nah, they're crazy. They're bugging. So I went on Halloween and I took my kids. I got them dressed in their costumes and everything. And I was just going to school at the time. She was working. And I dressed them in their costumes and everything. And they had like a trick-or-treat thing inside the call center. Another PSA from the Corner Podcast. If you're dating someone in a call center, don't do it, my man. If you love her, you just got to pay for her to go back to school or get a better job. You just got to be like, yo, you got to leave that life alone. Um, so I go to a call center. We're trick-or-treating with the kids, blah, blah, blah. They're going from cubicle to cubicle. There's candy. And when I walked by his pod or whatever, he got up, walked past us, said something to her. And, like, waved, didn't say nothing to me. The kids kept it moving. She was like, oh, after he had passed me, she was like, oh, that's the dude that they're always talking about, all this stuff. And I kind of, like, looked back because I didn't know who he was. I looked back and caught a glimpse. I saw, like, the back of his head or whatever and some lame-ass tattoo. He had, like, the barbed wire tattoo. And I remember at the time I was, like, 23, 24, and he happened to be, like, 32 or something. I was like, oh, he's lame. So... I caught him walking past me. So that's the only thing I've ever seen him of him. But he knew, like, it was me, her, the kids, I had the whole joint. So he knew what was up. And then it happened, like, two more times after that, and I just stopped caring because I had a full girlfriend. I took a trip out here to Vegas. I was living in Kansas City at the time. Took a trip out here to Vegas, stayed up with my girlfriend, chilled and all that. And that was the beginning of the end. But I should have punched him in the face. Like, I knew where they worked. They went out to lunch, all that stuff. Um, I had bounced on the whole thing and came back to Vegas like that December. He was at her birthday like a week after at the birthday dinner. I should have stayed, went to the birthday dinner, punched him in the face, then ca- caught the plane. Still I don't understand why you should punch him in the face. Because I, I think that's the only way to get over it. See, what Rob K is doing doesn't make you get over it. Smashing a million chicks if you have the opportunity doesn't make you get over it. What makes you get over it, I believe, is punching another guy in the face. I haven't tested this model out, but I regret that I didn't because I feel... Like, that would have made me get over it a lot faster. I, that just sounds crazy to me. I don't even want to divulge too much in it, but I never, I never believe in, unless a dude knows you personally, I, I'm not, he's at, not at fault. No, I, don't, I still don't feel like he's at fault. I, I, I wish the guy no, no malice. Like, we're, we're good money. He, just, <laughs> he, he tossed it up to her. She tossed it up to him. Me as another man, sometimes you just got to catch it. Listen, she threw the oop. He was in position to slam it home. I can't be mad. He was already on the fast break. The train was moving. I blame that on momentum. That's all her. Still, for me, I think it would have just felt, I would have felt comforted by punching him in the face. It would have solved nothing. I would have still had to deal with my home, my problems, my everything. I feel like that's the way to get over it, though. It might have helped me just a tad bit. Hopefully, someone listens to this, and if they've been cheated on, the guys will let us know if they've ever punched someone in the face and how that exactly made them feel. I see women yeah, break windows bitch. all the time. I'm imagining that's the male equivalent or the female equivalent. Like breaking windows and all that stuff, that has to make them feel good. So I feel like punching him in the face would have done the same thing for me. Just one hmm. quick, I just needed like two or three punches. People would have broke it up. He would have been tight. He would have had like a little trickling blood nose. I would have been yelling stuff like you couldn't even understand. 
I would have hopped in a whip and I would have left. I said, I, I thought like, yo, you punch someone, you go to jail, we're adults, blah, blah, blah. I could have got away before anything was called. You're really serious about this. I'm really serious. Like, this is, like, now that I think about it, I am upset I didn't punch him in the face. Because well, right. as a grown man, like, I feel like that's how you get, get over your spouse cheating. I don't know. People listening to the podcast will let me know. They will help me through this situation. Um, today, once again, I, I, me and that guy, I'll take him out for dinner if I ever saw him again. My man, you, you helped me so much. Life is so much better now. But at the time, I think I should have punched him in the face. I feel like that's the way to go. Um, fade on sight. Let's talk about maturity since I'm obviously the opposite of that so far on this podcast. Jay-Z's album. Let's switch to momentum. Is it too mature? Let's bring it back to old man Andreas Lane. Well, obviously I'm going to say no. but uh, You wrote I, about it. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Uh, the, I, don't, I never understood the concept of music that's too mature. And what exactly does that mean? Does that mean the subject matter is over your head? So that means you're stupid. Um, I, I don't. I don't get it because here, here's my thing. First of all, Jay Z's four 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 album is a great album. Um, people are saying it's the album of the year. Slow down. I still think Kendrick Lamar is the best album this year. But Jay Z has an excellent album, and this was better than his previous work. But the case about an album being too mature is kind of silly because it's all in the mentality, right? Like two chains is 39 years old, right? Yeah. He doesn't make, his music isn't too mature. Nas made Illmatic, wrote a majority of it when he was 18. Mob Deep dropped Shook Ones when they were 19. What is maturity in music really? Is it the individual? Is it the music? Or is it the mindset? So, like, for Jay-Z, for what he's talking about, which I guess the wealth that he's accumulated and him, his openness and, um... Also, the, the, the whole idea, you know, he talks about financial freedom, he talks about being married. That might be more mat too mature for even a 35-year-old who is unmarried and is just working a 9-to-5. But there could be a 21-year-old who is married and has already made his first six figures who understands the things that Jay-Z is talking about. So, I, you know, the concept of too mature, I don't even know, like, I don't see how that could ever be a bad thing. I see, like, I mean, I, I once again, I agree with you. So I think the album was great. Um... I think the subject matter is timely. I think it's what we all want hip-hop to be, or quote-unquote what we say we want it to be, which isn't lies. We want people to talk about their lives, their honest-to-God lives, and be able to word it in a way that they are talented enough that it's still uh, you know, good when we listen to it. But we don't want what we want Jay-Z to come out and talk about selling drugs again and shooting people at 45, knowing he's a billionaire damn near. Like, no, he gave us what he really lives. He gave us his day-to-day -day life, the, the concerns of his life now, the concerns for his people in lower places. He didn't have to do all that bravado. It's, it's not reasonable doubt, Jay-Z. And what everyone says is, oh, everyone lies in hip-hop, or they don't tell true, or they're telling someone else's life. Or look at Rick Ross. He took someone else's whole life. He doesn't sell drugs. Pusha T is like, does he still sell drugs? He's still rapping about drugs. It's been 15 years. He's been signed since he was 18. How's he still doing drugs? Okay, cool. So we get someone who's rhyming about what they're actually currently doing. But I, I feel like a lot of people, to the point of maybe it's not too mature, they, they want to call him an old man or they're just not rocking with it. But I think it boils down to it's not relatable That's for it. a percentage of people who have the voices to say so. So where it, no matter 
what we think social media is and how much of a tool it is for us and everything, it will forever be a young man's game. So the black Twitter and all these people and everyone that was hot in 2011 when it popped off and all that stuff, they're fading to the wayside now. It's a young man's game. So we're hearing from the young kids and the younger generation, everyone who has a, a bigger voice now. They're growing their voice. Who likes Lil Yachty and, uh, you know, what, 21 Savage with Amber Rose and shit. Um, even Amber Rose likes the youngins. So we were hearing from just a different culture and they're like, yo, it's not relatable. They just don't know how to voice that without saying, oh, Jay-Z's washed or he's old or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, like this is dope. It's just not for you, I guess. Like it should be for everyone. I should say it's not for you right now. Because when you get mature, when you get to a point where you have kids or you want to leave them something and you stop, stop running around, just want to pop mollies and Percocets and party all the time, you'll realize like, no, you know what? This Jay-Z joint is actually fire. Yeah, and more importantly, I mean, you know, I wrote, wrote the piece in Tudo Boys about it. Um, the concept of, uh, you know, maturity or, you know, being too old for hip hop or hip hop being a young man's game. It's kind of a flawed concept because... Hip-hop's only been around for almost 40 years, so it's almost impossible for, for there to be, like, third-generation rappers until now. Because before then, of course it was a young man, because only young men were doing it. Now it's like, you know, Joe Budden's pet over 35, Royce is over 35, Jay-Z's damn near 50, right? Yep. 2 Chainz is almost 40. M Little is still Wayne, up there. M is what, 46 or something crazy. M is like 41. Uh, you know, like I said, He's older than 41, has to be. Nah, if Royce is 39, MB and 41 is, like, spot on because they rhyme together in Detroit. Um, but, it, like, Lil Wayne's just, you know, approaching 35. Like, dude, we're at a time now where people who grew up on hip-hop, like, they're still fans. And that, that's the weird thing is, is, like, I don't know what's supposed to happen once you turn 30. Do you Are you supposed to say, ah, done with hip-hop, time to play some folk and country music? Like, that's, <laughs> that's not how it works. Like, you listen to rock music you know, forever. Yo, the Rolling Stones are still touring. That's what I always tell people. You know, Iron Maiden just had a show out here in Vegas. Eminem is 44, by the way. About to be 45, October 17th. 44? Holy Yeah, he was 27 when he broke out. He was old, and and Royce was like 19. Jesus. That's that's my point. It's like, these guys, like, rappers are now older, and fans are older too. So it's not like, it's not just young people listening to hip-hop anymore, because it's not new anymore. Now it's part, it's, it's part of our American fabric, hip-hop music. So, you know, even, you know, Kendrick's now 30, Drake's closing in on 30. Like, it's not like, yeah, Lil Yachty's exists for pe- young people like Lil Yachty. It's like when rock mu- music spawns off, like, alternative, and then you got, like, younger, like, J-pop. But it's still, there's still the foundation of rock music, and you still have fans who listen to certain artists. Or they still, they like newer artists. Or, like, old fans hate Nickelback. Well, young people hate Nickelback, too. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. So it's just, it's just the, the concept of being too old to rap or being too old to be a fan is just really, really flawed. And people just need to stop saying it. Because now you have adults in hip-hop. And the, you, have, you have kids who are third-generation hip-hop kids, right? Like, you look at Snoop's kids, and then you look at T.I. and his kids. Like, these people, they're old, and, and young people still bump their music. If Jay-Z went platinum in a week, which I completely do not understand this concept. I want to be very clear. They talk about streams and all that stuff. And I know not that many people have title. I don't know how Jay-Z's platinum in less than a week. Whatever. But the fact is, is that that many, so many people, it was the talk of the internet. And you can't tell me that Twitter is a young man's game, but then 
everybody on Twitter is talking about Jay Z's album. Everybody. Well, I mean, because everyone had an opinion, um, whether good, bad, or indifferent. But there just wasn't so many bad opinions about Jay Z album, right? Like the attention was there. He wasn't too old and washed. It, it, that's you know, what I'm saying like when when Royce dropped the bar exam, he wasn't old. He was dope. And that's only the only thing that should ever matter is who makes dope music. Yeah, but, I, I think the definition of dope music has changed for... And once again, I'm not lumping all of them together. But I, there's a good section of the younger population who thinks dope music is something completely different than you what know, I, you, you may think it is in your head. And once again, we get, what, Chance is 22, 23. Um, there, there's people in the game who are stupid young now and still get it. They still have the appreciation. They understand lyrics. They understand what really makes an MC dope. But there's also the people Joe Budden has to yell at during interviews who don't understand it, who don't care. They're just like, yo, I just made $10 million. And I mumble, and I go, uh, and I go, yeah, yeah, and all that shit. That's all they know. That's all they care about. They want to talk about drugs. They want to talk about getting money in the hopes of getting money. And when they get it, they're just going to keep talking about that. They don't care about what's dope. And their fan bases... Don't want to hear lyrics they have to decipher. They don't want to have to listen to, you know, flipping a painting. It's like, yo, we we're just talking about flipping mollies and, and zans. You're talking about flipping art? What are you talking about? So it's just a whole different section who, I, and it was out there. I, I saw quite a bit of it. And it, it's, it's crazy. Obviously, the people I follow on my timeline were majority into the Jay-Z album. But that's because we follow those type of people. But there was a large section that was saying, yo, what is he talking about? Or what do you mean it's a classic? Or what do you, like, it's nothing compared to Jay-Z. Jay-Z is not the greatest rapper of all time. That was a legit discussion this week. That there were people better than Jay-Z. Well, I mean, to each his own of the, the greatest of all time, Todd. But I just think, I mean, in my case, like, I hated dumb music when I was in my 20s. I hate dumb music and I'm in my 30s. So, it, like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I, I, if it's stupid, it's stupid to me. That's just my taste. What was like, dumb music in your 20s? Dumb music in my 20s was... was I mean, shit, wasn't was that long I had, so, go, I had to go through the snapping shit. I had to yeah, go through, like, Laffy Taffy. Like, that was my 20s. Like, the, the Little John and the Eastside Boys, like, Laffy Taffy. Like, I get its purpose. Like, Soldier Boy. Like, I get its purpose, right? I, I never say that things shouldn't exist. Just it was never for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when I was, it, even when I was a teenager, like, there was, there was just shitty music, right? And it was, <laughs> it, it, to me, it was, it was just going to be shitty. It had nothing to do with, you know, how old I was. I've always had the same taste in music. I've always liked my Nazis, my Talib Kualis, my Mostefs, my Commons. Like and now I like the Kendrick Lamar's, the J. Cole's. Like that's always just been my taste in music, and that just it had nothing to do with my age. It was just who I was, and I think like like when you go to the club in real life, when you go to the club, because there's <laughs> always people at the club that you look at and you be like, I wonder how old they are, and you know there's like forty year olds in the club, and they listen to the same bullshit that twenty year olds are listening to and dancing to it. Listen, so I, I just came from Atlanta not too long ago. That is oh so true. Like they, it, it, it's just forty six years age. old, just loving that shit. Yeah, it's just, it's not really an age thing. Like age has something to do with it because like you get older and you get wiser, blah blah blah. But some people get older and are still stupid. So, <laughs> and I'm not saying like people are stupid for listening to that kind of music. Like I have a bunch of intellectual friends who just like music that I consider dumb. 
But yeah, every now and then you got to listen to some ratchetness. It just it's just what it is. Like sometimes you just want to hear ratchet music. I understand yeah. it. It just it's just it's not it's not this big age thing that everybody keeps talking about. It has something to do with it, but it's just not as big as a factor as everybody really tries to make it out to be. I'll give you that. I mean, listen, you got your your finger on the pulse of the culture. I'm gonna check out those two dope boy comments because that's my favorite part about when you write articles on there. By the way, the articles are always dope. I always share them. Always tell people to take a look at it. But I go, I read the article once. I appreciate your dopeness, but I go back to the comments every damn time. Because those are hilarious. I'll check the comments on your articles like five days in a row. It's always rolling. Like, <laughs> that's my point. It's like a war zone in there. Like You go in there and it's just, it's just a war zone. Yo, that's but, my entertainment. I, I tell you, when I talk to you and Shake in a group chat or something, I'd be like, yo, good article. You read those comments, though? <laughs> that's always like, like oh I God. always read the comments of your article. Yeah, it's crazy. That shit's hilarious. Let's talk about combat sports. Because uh, we're a half an hour in and this is what people come to listen to. Um, let's start with the shortest segment first. Boxing, right? Sure. There's one thing to talk about and one thing only. The Pac-Man takes the dive. Um, he was forced. Forced to take the dive. Uh, Pac-Man goes to Australia in Horn's backyard. No one knows who the hell Horn is before the fight. Everyone is talking about him after the fight. Pacquiao, it looks like he has the, the fight in hand. He almost stops Horn in the ninth round. The ref agrees to let Horn finish it out. And then we get the cards. Pacquiao loses a close one on two cards. And on one card, 117-112, I believe, was the final score. It was 111-117. Excuse me. Yeah, 117-111. Um, and sorry, there should have been a 10-8 round. My mind is still stuck on how it wasn't a 10-8 round. Um, so 117-111 on the other card. Pacquiao loses all three, not even split decision. It's worse than the Bradley decision, in my opinion. It's not even split. It's straight up. Everyone has Pacquiao losing, and now everything's in disarray. The question is, is it good for boxing or is it bad for boxing? So, all right. So first things first. The the Pacquiao Horn fight, which I didn't watch live, I ended up watching it later. Um, you don't watch anything live. If, not our first <laughs> time listening to you on this podcast. I know it, it's hard for me. Like I got a I got a bunch of stuff. To do. So I was actually traveling with family. So I didn't watch the Pacquiao fight until like the next day. Um, after I knew the decision, because as soon as I went to go visit my father, and as soon as I walked in, he was like, "Pacquiao lost." I was like, "God damn it!" Of all the people that spoiled it, him. But so I went and watched the fight, and it what. It was closer than it should have been, right? But it doesn't mean that Horn should have won. Horn should have lost. Like I, I, In no conceivable way should Horn should have won this fight. Um, but the fact that Horn won has everybody talking about boxing and Manny Pacquiao. And it, did, it drew huge numbers on ESPN. Um, I only have the column right now about it. Yeah, so it, the, the, it's not bad for boxing. The decision sucks, and that's bad for boxing. But that's been part of boxing's DNA for eternity shitty decisions so it's like yeah this sucks but it's not like conor mcgregor beating floyd mayweather by decision right and even when you watch this jeff warren fight which i'm actually like been watching in the background uh while i was working today you look at the fight the first the only thing the most important thing that sticks out is manny pacquiao is a shell of his former self this fight shouldn't have been competitive at all oh man when i was tweeting during the fight that's one thing that jumped out to me it's and you know what, Manny, I'll give him credit, his hand speed is still there. His foot speed has declined to a point where he's stagnant. 
Like, he's now a two-step and counterpunch guy. Because he can't cut off the ring anymore. He can't really be aggressive enough because he can't get out of the way if he does go forward because his feet won't carry him. So he'll take two steps, invite the other guy in, and counterpunch because his hands are still fast enough to land punches. But if your feet aren't there, you don't have the oomph. And that's why we don't see the knockouts because there's nothing left in his legs. And you need that torque. You need that power. Your power has to come from your core and from your legs to knock people out. And he doesn't have it. And that's why when he had Horn in trouble, he couldn't finish it off because there is nothing left in his legs. He can't turn over on anything. And I saw that from the first round on. And even if he would have won the fight, listen, I, I think it's good all the way around. Controversy, I always root for anarchy. It just is what it is. I love entertaining fights and everything. But if someone gets robbed at the end, even better. It was my most, the most exciting fight I've seen Pacquiao have in about six years, maybe seven years. And it ended in controversial decision. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone tunes into SportsCenter. Stephen A. yelling like a madman about shit he has no clue about. Just wilding out on the ref was amazing. Um, who else wilded out on the ref? Someone else. Teddy Atlas. Oh, Atlas wilded out on the ref. All that is incredible. I root for that. I love the anarchy. They're going to get paid in a rematch. Because ESPN is going to put up the dough. They put up the dough with no numbers, with no guarantee that this would do anything. They put up the 10 mil for Manny or what reported around 10 mil. Now you see that it's going to do numbers. There has to be a rematch and Manny's going to cash out. With, with the possibility of going out on top, which we thought before, you know, you were just building him up to feed him to a young lion or someone who's going to beat him for a large sum of money. Yeah, I mean, all right. So, I mean, the decision does suck for boxing. Like, it does. I mean, ultimately, it? It, 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 in the grand scheme of things, bad decisions suck for boxing. They always have. Because it's it's that fine line that for a sport that prides itself on undefeated records, those blemishes still matter, right? It's the reason why, like, Floyd Mayweather could very well be 48-1. and one. There's a lot of people that he thought he lost the first Castillo fight. A lot of people. But the judges gave him the fight. If the cards went the other way, would Floyd Mayweather still be the Floyd Mayweather we're talking about today? This stuff matters. So to rob certain people, I, I think um, Arisandi Lara has been on the, the wrong side of a lot of decisions. A lot of close ones. You know, and some guys like Jesse Vargas have been the beneficiaries of good deci- uh, decisions that have worked out for them. Um, Manny Pacquiao, for instance, I, I never had him winning a Marquez fight. Not a single one. I had him losing every Marquez fight. <laughs> well, you and a lot of people, though. Like, I, I just thought Marquez was, was a better fighter on every one of those nights. It were great fights, but I always had Marquez winning, like, 115-113. I didn't win about, I think, 116-112 in the third fight. Um, I might have the first fight I draw. I don't recall. But so these decisions do matter. When, when people get robbed of their livelihood, when that O really matters, it sucks. But overall, it's like we're talking about boxing because ultimately – in this fight exists in a vacuum, similar to Mayweather McGregor. It really doesn't affect boxing. It doesn't really affect Manny Pacquiao. Like him losing, uh, right? He's I mean, already lost a bunch of fights. Yeah, but you would think it, it robs Terence Crawford of the opportunity, in which Terence Crawford immediately took to Twitter and was like, "They wouldn't let me fight him, but they let him lose to Joe Horn." But he was never going to fight him. Is my point. Like Terence Crawford was never getting that fight. <laughs> you tell Terence like, that next time we next time you interview Terence, be like, "Yo." As soon as it's done, be like, yo, Terrence, off the record. You know you weren't getting that fight anyway. 
I, the next time I see him, I will tell him. He, but he knows he was never getting that fight. He is keenly aware that the Manny Pacquiao retirement tour, there's him fighting people in their home country, was the only way that Pacquiao was going to get paid the money that he wanted to be paid. In order to fight Terrence Crawford, Manny Pacquiao wanted $20 million. But Terrence Crawford is not a pay-per-view draw, so I don't. Bob Arum had no way to make twenty million dollars out of nothing for Manny Pacquiao. So Pacquiao was going to fight other people in these large stadiums where they can do great gates, they can do great numbers overseas, and then they fortunately landed ESPN to air the fight. Terrence Crawford was never getting that fight. Errol Spence is never getting that fight. Like these guys are never going to fight Manny Pacquiao anyway. So the loss doesn't really matter. Manny Pacquiao will never be in another marquee fight again unless he fi- unless they, they find a way to make Terrence Crawford a big enough star. But even then... But with this ESPN partnership, you don't think it's possible? If no. Joe Horn versus Pacquiao did these numbers and they had nothing to sell on Horn... No. No, no, because... Jeff Horn. Same shit. Regardless. Tw- again, Pacquiao to fight Terrence Crawford is 20... He wants $20 million. He made 10 with no guarantee of this shit even selling. But we're talking. But now we're talking about numbers. We're talking twenty. We're talking double that for for Terrence Crawford. And and again, the reason why this fight was able to generate this kind of money is because there was a great interest in Manny Pacquiao fighting in Australia. Manny Pacquiao fighting in Vegas doesn't pull numbers anymore. But it, wait, so people watched ESPN to see him fight in Australia? Yes. I think no, they just wanted to watch Manny. No, 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 for no, no, no. Free. no. People, people watched Manny Pacquiao because he was Manny Pacquiao for free on ESPN. But the, the, the bulk of the money, the gate, and the money that was generated to keep top rank afloat came from this being in a stadium in Australia, correct? Where they could draw thousands of people. But this Terrence- was the prove me fight. Now ESPN got to come up off of more money because they yeah. had to have eclipsed the numbers they had projected by three at least. But, they, but again, they have to do it in another huge market. In a stadium where they can do a great live game. Like, Terrence Crawford is fighting on ESPN in August, so it's along with Vasil Lomachenko. They, I, those fights when, are not going to do as big as numbers this Manny Pacquiao fight is going to do. No way in there. And if you're going to send Pacquiao out there to fight Terrence Crawford, it's going to be his last fight. So if Manny Pacquiao can fight Jeff Horn again and then go to another country and fight another fighter in front of another huge audience, because we really don't know the terms of this, how long-term this ESPN deal really is, right? And how much are they really going to front Manny Pacquiao in the long term? So, right now, with Manny Pacquiao losing to Jeff Horn, it even it knocks the dust off of a Terrence Crawford victory that much more. It doesn't even help Terrence Crawford anymore. So, it's like he wins, but it's like, all right, well, cool. It puts him on a bigger stage. That's fine. But it's not, like, like I, I tweeted, I said, Terrence Crawford would have worn this victory much better than Jeff Horn does. Because people are, are going to forget who Jeff Horn is. He's just going to be, like I, I put in the group chat, he is now Zaire Rahim. And anybody who knows who Zaire Rahim is will know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Zaire Rahim defeated Eric Morales when Eric Morales was on a tear, when he was on those, those great fights with Marco Antonio Barrera. And I think this was before the, the Pacquiao fight. Mm-hmm. Zaire Rahim beat Eric Morales in a huge upset. Nobody knows who, Eric, who Zaire Rahim is. Nobody's going to know who Jeff Horn is. Losing at the tail end of your career, like Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran both lost to Hector Camacho, which is different because Macho Camacho was a bigger name. But for a majority of fighters who lose in the tail end of their career, like who are the last three people to knock out Roy Jones? Can you name them? No. I mean, one was like a Russian, right? <laughs> That's a tough question. 
But so, <laughs> so at the end of the day, nobody really cares when you're on the tail end of the career. People are tuning in to see Manny Pacquiao. But beating Manny Pacquiao doesn't mean it a damn thing anymore. Like, if you knock him out, it'd be like, all right, cool, but he was already watched. That's how people look at him now. But I, I just don't think ESPN is going to say, unless they really force the hand, like, unless Terrence Crawford does massive numbers, like, if unless Terrence Crawford does, like, a 2 million, 2 million, which would be huge, because Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia did, I think, 1.7. And you have to correct me if I'm wrong. But if Terrence Crawford were to pull 2 million on, a, on, ES, on ESPN, then you might have an argument, but I don't think he's going to do that. Manny Pacquiao is still like a huge name that's bigger than boxing. No, and definitely. So I, I just don't see Bob Arum taking a shot and saying, you know what? Let's put Terrence Crawford in there and, you know, because that's a pay-per-view fight too. Like, I don't think they put that on ESPN either. It's, it's really tough um, to justify that, especially in the States. Look, what are they going to do, fight in Nebraska? Because that's the only place Terrence Crawford's selling out. That's it. I mean, you could take it to kind of like Texas maybe. and Some people might travel. Doubtful. Um, Thurman Garcia did a 2.2 rating and it peaked at 5.1 million viewers on CBS. And that's and that was CBS, like ESPN. Yeah, it's not even. Yeah, it's like like ESPN did this with streams and live. Like uh-huh. it's it's hard, man. It's it's really hard. So oh, the overall the average viewer, which is what people usually go by, and not peak, was 3.1, with the main event ad- averaging 3.7. Yeah, and that's that. I mean, that's network television. So it's like, it's hard. But boxing, I mean, it proves that boxing is still a viable sport. Like people say, boxing is dead. Need to shut up. Like this is ridiculous. We still talking about boxing is dead for twenty years. People keep saying boxing is dead. People tuned in to watch Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn. They they would have tuned in to watch Manny Pacquiao fight a cardboard box, and he would have lost to the cardboard box, and nobody would have cared. Yeah, and this Pacquiao fight still didn't do as good as the Thurman fight. No, I mean, it's, again, ESPN, CBS, like yeah, Pacquiao, network television. Pacquiao was 4.4 million is what it topped out at. Thurman Garcia, 5.1. The average for Pacquiao was 2.8. Thurman Garcia, 3.3. Yeah, that's a bit, way bigger than I said. But uh, big, big fights, they, they matter. But, again, I just don't see them generating that kind of money. But... You know, to each his own, Benny Pacquiao will get his rematch with Jeff Horn. I think he'd just go fight somebody else. I think he's out of the elite fight game. Yeah, so you don't think he, this is the it for him? You don't think he walks away on this? No. Uh, there's too much money to be made in a rematch with Jeff Horn, obviously. And he still wants to fight, even though his body says no. It's like, it's like an R. Kelly song. You know, his body's really telling him no. It's like, it really says you should quit. Because not only is, it, is he older... But he's not able to train because he's got senatorial duties. There's, there's a lot of things that go into why Manny Pacquiao looked the way he did against Jeff Horn. He, he should stop fighting. But who, like, just because you suck at your job, you know what I'm saying, in general, <laughs> we can't, I can't tell you to quit your job. You know what I'm saying? You still got to get paid. Pacquiao still needs to get paid. All right. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break, our first of the show. It seems like this is the longest segment ever. And we're going to come back. We're going to preview this weekend's UFC card. Um... We're going to try to go through it as fast as possible. I have to make my way down to the Hall of Fame. But you know what? I'm not pressed to get down there necessarily on time. It's the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so we got time. We're going to preview UFC 213 and talk about everything else in MMA. You guys stay right there. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. 
It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we're going to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. And if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like. And then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right. Like I just said, we are back and we're talking MMA this time. It's UFC International Fight Week. It is usually longer than it is now. Usually we'd be dead tired already. Um, thankfully, we are not. There's only two fights compared to three in previous years. Uh, hopefully, they still have the free beer for media afterwards. Um, Doubtful. They're losing too much money, man. They, there's going to be no free nothing. Listen, we get two days of free vouchers. That means two days of Shake Shack. We're in there. T-Mobile Arena, true. Shake Shack. So if you guys are looking for us midway through the fights, um, you know, anytime I'd say between the first pay-per-view fight and probably the co-main, we're probably at Shake Shack. If you guys just want to come uh, enjoy a nice burger with us or something and chill, that's where we'll be. Uh, there's actually two good fights. Listen, I am not upset at the cards. Do Are they what they're hyped up to be? No. Is it as good as last year? No. And I thought last year was a disappointment. For UFC 200, how grand it was supposed to be, I thought that was a disappointment. Um, but with that being said, it's going to be two good nights of fights. I'm excited for the, the tough finale. A little bit more than 213, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of looking at the card. I, you know, Justin Gagey and Michael Johnson is a, a fight that I've just been really looking forward to. 213, like 200. Um, damn, it's only been 13 numbered UFC since last year. It's only been Feels 12 like months. Like They've crammed 13 into 12 months. I know, it just usually feels like there's more. But two, it was snake bit. I mean, we lost uh, Dillashaw Garbrandt. You know, there was rumors about GSP Bisping. That didn't come to fruition. Like, 213 was just a bust. And Amanda Nunez is the beneficiary, again, of a broken card. She Bring on make- those pay-per-view points. But who's buying the pay-per-view? Regardless, she gets points she wasn't going to get. Ugh. Anyway, um... So, yeah, I don't know where you want to, would like to start. We can talk about both these cards. We yeah, start let's with just go quick. Um, on the, let's see, Ultimate Fighter card, which is Friday night, Tisha Torres, who's always exciting. It's crazy. She's on the Fight Pass prelims. So we get Tisha Torres with Julian and Lima, which should be cool. Gray Maynard is on the Fight Pass prelims. Which is actually a really good fight with Ishihara. Ishihara, that's a great fight. Yeah. Um, so that's on a fight past prelims. Those two fights could be on 213 
FS1 card, easy. And then Jessica I, um, we have Ed Herman versus CB Dalloway, which should be a good fight. Angela Hill fighting in her first, you know, I guess, normal length camp back in the UFC. Because the last one was kind of on short notice and she just threw herself in there and performed like a boss. But this one is still, let's see what she has. Let's see if she really developed and got better at, well, during her time in Invicta. And then we have Brad Tavares versus Elias Theodoro, who is one of the best, you know, Twitter followers in the UFC. And he has to back it up in the cage. And then we have our fights from The Ultimate Fighter, which Diego Lima versus Jesse Taylor. I, I think Jesse Taylor is one hell of a story. I interviewed him when they had that open gym. And his struggles mm. and him being homeless and his addiction problems and him living on the beach in San Diego for like a year. And then finally getting talked into going back to training and clean up his life. Uh, he said he met a woman who is now his wife. They have a child and she changed his whole life. He got back into training. Now he's in the finals. And then Diego Lima is obviously Diego Lima. So he had to be the, one of the favorites coming into it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad card. I and mean, then obviously Michael Johnson and Justin Gacy. Um, um, listen, uh, let's start, let's, let's just pick winners. We kind of break down the card. Um, but where do you want to start? Cause there's a, there's a lot of fights this weekend. Yeah, no, we'll just go, um, obviously just main card, even though the other card, you know, other fights excite me. We at least touched on them for a second. Uh, Jordan Johnson, Marcel Fortuna is the first one. Light heavyweight bouts. I'm glad we have a couple light heavyweight fights on here too. They usually go quick. Yeah. Jordan Johnson seems he's undefeated. So, uh. You know, he's fighting a guy who's nine and one, and you know, uh, Fortuna lost to Jesse Taylor. Um, so I'm gonna have to go with Jordan Johnson here. Uh, the light heavyweight division definitely needs some new blood. Uh, I'm gonna go with Fortuna once again. Um, that house it, it's completely different, you know. So <laughs> I, I think Fortuna just kind of has the, the better look to me, the longevity to kind of stick in the division. Um, his loss to Jesse Taylor was 2012. If you look at Jesse Taylor, it's a completely different guy. I, I like his... Jesse Taylor, once again, is at least, I want to say, a quarter of the size he used to be. <laughs> like, it's true. Like, HGH was what a hell of a drug. So this isn't that Jesse Taylor. Even though he's still wildly talented, he's always been talented. But the muscles and the, the ripness is definitely gone. Um, and, and I just like you know what I see. I think the last fight we saw him in was Anthony Hamilton, and it was a slugfest, and he got him out of there in the first round. And that was at heavyweight. So you're moving back down, trying to get comfortable. I like it. Made weight. We're all good. So I'm actually leaning that way. So Fortuna in this fight. Let's see. Brad Tavares, Elias Theodoro. I'll take Elias to win this one. Um, This is actually another good fight. Uh, Brad Tavares is just... You know, he lost to Robert Whitaker two fights ago. He lost Tim Bowes. He lost Yoel Romero. Um, and Elias Theodoro's been, you know, he's a solid competition. Uh, won his past two fights. So I'm going to have to go with Elias as well. Uh, he beats his Ferrari and he beats his, uh, Smiling Sam Alvey. Um, Who fights like every two days. Which well, it felt like if he didn't get hurt, he'd be collecting, a, he would have broken Cowboys record. But yeah, I'm going to go with Elias here. Yeah, going with Elias. Um. You know, Brad is tough, like you mentioned, but Elias takes that one. We have Jared. Uh, ooh, help me with this name, Andres. Oh, Jared Cannonier? Cannonier versus Nick Rorick. I, listen, man. 
excuse me if I, I haven't studied this fight as nearly enough as I should have. I just know that Jared got knocked out and washed by Glover Teixeira. Outside of that, I don't know much about the guy. Um, Jared, I, I guess we've seen him on a couple of things. I mean, I just, nothing sticks out to me. So I'm picking against Jared. <laughs> I'm not. Nick Rolick is a newcomer. Cannonier, yes, he got destroyed by Glover Teixeira, but, you know, Glover's a top-tier guy in the light heavyweight division. Um, Cannonier's got solid hands, man. So, you know, I think he's going to, the, the newcomer to the UFC is going to get a pretty cold welcome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no doubt. Uh, listen, man, you, you're sleeping on the, the, the newcomers. Sometimes it's nice to just have a new face. And like I said, light heavyweight, which we've been talking about for years, it needs new blood, right? It needs new faces. I'm going with the new face because, please, I'm tired of seeing the same people. Um, let's see. We have Diego Lima versus Jesse Taylor. Well, actually, you skipped over the Mark DeCasse fight and, uh, and oh, okay. against Drakkar Close. And uh, DeCasse... Close is going if down. Anybody, Sorry. Yeah, DeCasse's got hands. So, yeah, I'm <laughs> picking DeCasse by knockout here. Even though Close is undefeated, he's just it's the wrong guy. No, DeCasse, come on, man. He's... he's hands is an understatement. I <laughs> yeah, looked him up like, before this, what, he's six straight finishes? Or maybe he was like five out of six. Something yeah, crazy. He's, he's pretty nasty. Um so, yeah, I'm definitely picking them at this yes. fight. And I'm always a fan of the people willing to throw hands. Like, there is no other options for him. He's like, yo, so are we going to throw hands or are we going to throw hands? Like, there's no tying you up. There's no rest breaks. Nothing. Listen, man, we're here to throw hands. One of us is going to get knocked out. May the better man win. So always good fights. And then we have Diego Lima versus Jesse Taylor, which I alluded to before. I'm taking the story, Jesse Taylor, um, and what I consider an upset but I'm a sucker for a good story every now and then. That's what the Ultimate Fighter should be. Good stories. Yeah, it's true. Jesse Taylor, for those who, who aren't aware, I mean, the dude made it to the, the finals years ago and got kicked out because he was an idiot partying in Vegas. Turned his life around. Uh, he has a great story. And, you know, if you watch the Ultimate Fighter this year, he's showed some great wrestling and a pretty solid ground game. And that's the thing that Diego Lima doesn't have is a great ground game. Um, he has one hell of a punch, though. And that's why I'm going to go with Diego Lima. Diego <laughs> Lima's won this. He's won this thing before. He's been an Ultimate Fighter champion before. Um, then he just kind of hit a rough patch and had to leave the UFC, and now he came back. I got to go with him again, man. I, I I like Jesse Taylor's story, but you know I think if Lima catches him on the good one, he's going night night. Uh, I'm taking Taylor, and Lima lost his one before. Oh wait, he did lose. He, he lost, lost to truck. Eddie. Yeah, he lost to Truck Born. That's Who right. Was also on the season. That's right. That's right. So I'm still going to pick him. So I'm still picking Diego Lima. <laughs> All right, let's see if he can uh, not fall into the same trap as he did before. On to UFC 213, because it's the next well, no. one of the weekend. Are you, oh, so no, you're just not going to pick the main event? No, wait, wait. That's my favorite fighter of the weekend. Don't, don't, let me, don't let me get past it. I got ahead of myself. It should be on 213, as a matter of fact. When Cowboy got injured, I said, you know what? They have to bump this fight up to the main card because it's that good of a fight. You want violence? This is violence. So Justin Gaethje versus uh, Michael Johnson. Yo, no one... Is it going to the judges? Let me just ask you that before we give our prediction. Five rounds. No, it's not going to go to the judges. I don't think so. Hell no, it's not going to the judges. I'm saying it ain't going to the judges. I'd be surprised if it gets out of what? The... 
I'd say, second round. It's that type of fight. And Gaethje comes for a fight. Michael Johnson is known to throw hands. Michael Johnson has been, you know, knocked out a few times. He just comes in there. We, we've seen him just ready for a fight and leaves himself open. Um, I'm taking Justin Gaethje to win, which is against my logic because I usually think these champions from other promotions, they get caught by the bright lights, the, the weak, don't know exactly how everything goes, and they get caught, they lose their first one, and then you really start to judge them. But I'm going to pick him to win his debut. I'm picking Gage as well, but with a caveat, because like the reason why I was so hesitant to, to pick this fight not going the distance is because when it depends on how Gage he wants to fight this fight. There's there's two ways he fights this fight. He gets he's he's a little reckless out there at times. He leaves himself open. He gets he's been clipped Understand. in numerous fights. So he could play this safe because he has solid takedowns. Um, he's got decent wrestling. He could play this safe because it's a five round fight which he hasn't competed in before, which could cause him to not press the action so much and try to go to a decision. He doesn't have a five-round fight? No, in World Series, uh, um, in World Series, the three-round fights. Really? Title fights are three rounds, yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, So it could cause him to try to stall out and conserve energy. If that does happen, I think he loses a decision. Because I think Michael Johnson is a little bit more seasoned in, in the sense that he'll use his wrestling to try to ground Gaethje, and he might catch Gaethje with a wild one. But if Gaethje fights like he normally fights, like he did against in the Palomino fights, for instance, with the, the, the nasty leg kicks and the striking and just throws caution to the wind, I think he kills Michael Johnson. For Gaethje, I think it's a statement fight. Because after what Khabib Nurmagomedov did to Michael Johnson, for Gaethje to be taken seriously in the lightweight division, he needs to make mincemeat out of Michael Johnson and take risks. Yeah, I mean, but Khabib kind of grounded him and just toyed with him. But that, that's... It wasn't... Like, on the feet, Johnson was kind of landing for a second. He just wasn't on his feet very long. No, and that's, and that's true. But I'm just saying, like, if you want to make a statement in a lightweight division that Conor McGregor's currently king and not coming back anytime in the near future, and you got Tony Ferguson, and you got Khabib Nurmagomedov, and you've got... You know, you still got Anthony Pettis rolling around here somewhere, uh, who's actually fighting at 213. And, like, you got a lot of competition in the lightweight division. You got to make a statement. So don't waste any time making that statement. Go out there, look impressive, don't grind out a win. Because that's not why Dana White even signed you. No, nah, he signed you to stand and bang, to be as exciting as you, was, as you were before. And if you deviate from your game plan, you'll probably lose. Ask Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez would stand and bang and throw and just fight fools like he did against Michael Chandler and Bellator. He came to the UFC and started trying to grind people out. Granted, it finally got him the title against Rafael Dos Anjos, but he lost against Cowboy Cerrone trying to grind him out. So, like, you got to fight like you normally fight. You can't try to fight to secure the win. You got to fight to not to beat up the other person you're fighting against and michael johnson's the perfect candidate to get beat up because he has been finished numerous times yeah no that's that's true i mean listen it's going to be an exciting fight i don't think we get a boring main event at all and i'm excited to watch that fight because it can go so many ways and you commented on connor not coming back anytime soon dana white just a few days ago said connor called him and said he wants khabib in russia by the end of the year so of course he did what you want I just don't know how that – I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But, yeah, Connor's going to say he wants to fight. But, I, yeah, I think no time soon. Well, Khabib and Russia would be great. 
Khabib in Russia would be great. That's just it feels like there's a lot of hurdle for a fight to take place in Russia. Yeah. Um, but Dana would have to make that work for Connor, and Connor is going to clean up. He's going to get a percentage of those gates, and I think I'm pretty sure businessman Connor is always the reason behind things. It'd be interesting. He would know. He's like, nah, we're we're taking it to like a large venue, and you're giving me mad dope. One of those Klitschko spots. It's it, like a hundred thousand people in that shit. I could see Connor fighting in the year end UFC fight. I don't. I, I thought so, too, in Vegas. I don't necessarily think he'll make the Garden in November. I think it's too quick of a turnaround after his August 26th boxing match with Floyd Mayweather. I guess he's assuming that he you know, comes around and just feels good and doesn't get touched. But maybe Floyd lights his ass up and changes his life. <laughs> Who knows? It's very possible. Um, all right. Now it's time for the UFC 213 main card. Good fights on this, too. Um, I don't like the UFC Fight Pass fights as much. Rob Font is on there, so that's all right. Um, we have Jordan Main versus Bilal Muhammad to open up FS1 card. Tiago Santos is on there. Um, what? Travis Papa Brown versus Olenek is on there, which is probably going to be a good fight. I think Travis Brown gets knocked out again. We'll give our prediction on that one and the main card. So let's uh, start right there. Travis Brown. Versus Olenek, I, I think they're feeding Brown to the Wolves again. I think Ronda Rousey is going to end up crying her eyeballs out again. Dude. It's time for them to just go make babies. It really is. And the, the interesting thing is Olenek is 40 years old and has fought in 62 professional fights. That's insane. He's been around the block a lot. This might be the fight that Travis Brown could win. Like... Because at least, well, you know what? He has a better chance of getting tapped out than knocked out, and that's an improvement. That's true. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick Travis Brown. I just think Olin has been in a lot of fights. I mean, hell, he fought Crow Cop. I mean, I mean, this dude <laughs> like is fine. Like, like, no, not, not prime Crow Cop. He fought Crow Cop in like 2013. Oh, um, listen, that's. But, He's what, like Jeff Monson. Like he, dude. I'm, I'm looking at it. Like I was looking, doing some research on this guy. I'm like, dude. He fought Chael Sonnen in 2006. Oh, I'm gonna God. go with Travis Brown. <laughs> I just feel more comfortable going with oh, Travis. Yeah, Brown. yeah, he has been around the block. He fought a Nurmagomedov in 2007. Shamil. I don't even know who that is, but I'm just gonna chalk it up that he's related. He's Khabib's dad. That's how old this guy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be some shit? Oh, man. Yo, his list is deep. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Uh, no, I'm still not backing down from that. I'm not picking Travis Brown to win another fight in the UFC again. <laughs> I think, you know, they just stole his heart. And Ronda Rousey literally stole his heart. And he's fighting with nothing in the tank, man. Um, what, he left Jackson's and that was the end of it pretty much for him? Yeah, pretty much. You know, he left to go to head movement. And it's been a wrap ever since. I'm not picking him to win. Uh, you touched on it earlier. Anthony Pettis kicks off the main card versus Jim Miller. I thought this would be bumped up the card and get a little bit more promo. Anthony Pettis was the golden boy just two years ago. And now he, he can't even be marketed on a poster. It's crazy. But um, Pettis versus Miller. I'll take Pettis to bounce back. Yeah, Pettis to bounce back. I mean, the Max Holloway fight, he was clearly drained. He So he couldn't even make it to the scale. He just he just looked, you know, sunken in. So... I think he makes a comeback, and the reason why this opened up the card is because you need some excitement. And Jim Miller rarely has a boring fight. Sure. Um, you know, I don't think Jim Miller is just completely out of this one, but I think this will be a fun fight, and I think Pettis will bounce back with a win. I, it's still not the same Anthony Pettis. No, no, I don't think we see that Anthony Pettis again, but you never know. He needs that killer instinct back, too. 
people grounded him and put him to the ground and it changed his whole game. Uh, second fight, Fabricio Verdum versus Alistair Overeem. Once again, two guys who are just headlining pay-per-view cards coming in fourth. So um, they're actually under Blades and Daniel O, which is crazy. But we have Verdum, Overeem. I'm taking Verdum in the weird smile to win. Um, Yeah, this is a completely different Fabricio Verdum than... I'll say, uh, don't take the ream. You're going to take the ream? You consider oh. taking the ream. I'm considering taking Alistair Overeem. Uh, <laughs> oh, because shit. I, I don't know how if, if Fabrizio Verdun really believes in his hands. And if, if he does believe in his hands, he might get caught. Overeem's got a, you know, he's got a glass out, but he did knock out Junior Dos Santos. And the, the last time these two fought, I know that Fabrizio has a lot to prove because that fight was trash in the Strike Force Grand Prix. Where Fabrizio just basically laid on his back. It changed Fabrizio's life. It made him turn himself into a, a competent striker. Um, but I'm going to take a chance here. I'm going to pick Alistair Overeem. Not with a lot of confidence, but I'm going to pick him. I, I think Fabrizio is going to try to make a statement with his hands. I think he's going to get caught with one. Alistair can finish. He is a finisher. I, so, I think... I don't know. I think Verdum's hands have gotten better. They're still not better than Overeem's. The, 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 here's the thing. Alistair Overeem is one of the best stand-up fighters in the heavyweight division. By far. One uh, of them. He has so many holes. He leaves himself wait, so open. Wait, wait, wait. The problem is, it's his chin. That's it. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I like how you separated that. that it's, there it's, is it's, a difference between chin and hands, and you are correct. Like if, if Alistair Overeem is doesn't get hit in his face at all, he wins every fight because he's great. He's a great kickboxer. Unfortunately, that, that chin is made out of glass, and I just don't know if Reese Overdoom is going to be the guy that could put Overeem down with a punch. He Overeem gets knocked out by pretty big punchers: Stephen Miocic, Bigfoot, um, and the list goes on and on. Fabrice, I don't think he's one of those guys. No, I'll give you that. That's a good separation. I'm still taking Verdum. <laughs> can't believe it's not even as close as you made it sound but uh you fair argument uh next one blades versus daniel o who you're taking curtis blades man i mean i think uh curtis blades he's heavy-handed he's kind of fun to watch i know why they put this on the main card because if any if overeem and verdun stinks this fight should wake the crowd up yeah i mean i like blades blades too um what the first we saw of him he got knocked out or he got stopped by francis and ganu but he was still tough in that fight, hanging tough. And I believe that might have been on short notice. He looked good ever since. Well, yeah, I mean, he killed Cody East, but Cody East is nobody. And uh, his other fight got, you know, overturned because he's smoking that weed. Yes, um, true. So, but I mean, again, he's a, he's a good fighter. I mean, the Ganus, you lose to Francis Ganu, it's like, all right, whatever. But um, I saw Ganu today because uh, the television station I went, um, they sent me to the children's center out here in vegas and there was a few ufc fighters that came through and spent the day with the kids and all that stuff and i was um one of the only media outlets i think usually they choose one television station to go out and cover it so they chose us and i went and i covered it today he is a gigantic human being and i'm not a small dude he has to be six five yeah, he looks like an NFL DN. I always thought he was like, oh, like, nah, he's small for the heavyweight division. No, he is gigantic. 
Yeah, and Gano's a big guy. So when Curtis Blades lost to him, it's like, all right, no big deal. You bounce back and you knock out other people. So, yeah, I figure that Curtis Blades will get a victory in this, a knockout victory. I'm not mad at that. I'm, I'm going to pick Blades, too. Um, I just like his style. I think it's a, a well-matched fight, and I'm all for, you know, just us seeing exciting fights. They say if you don't have the name recognition, I'm always cool with just putting on exciting fights. And... You know, Blades versus the guy coming off with two losses. Um, his last win was actually against Olenek, and Olenek fought everyone. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything special here. Blades should really be in a showcase fight on a pay-per-view card, which is dope. Good chance to get a bonus out of it, too. Absolutely. So, good slot for him. Uh, next fight, probably a fight at night, Yoel Romero versus Robert Whitaker. I've seen predictions for this all over the place. Bouncing off the walls. I've made up my mind one way or the other like at least four times. I know they always say, don't believe what you see at weigh-ins. Don't believe what you see at open workouts. <laughs> Yo, Joel Romero is a freak of nature at 40 years old. Him and Wolverine were built in the same lab. He is Weapon X. I'm positive of it. You shouldn't be that fit at 40 years old. At any time in your life. He has muscles I've never seen before. It's crazy yeah. watching him just work out and the level of energy he has and everything. I, in my head, I'm like, you know what? Romero gasses. How is he going to do in a five-round fight? He gasses. But then I look at him, I'm like, I'm not sure if he's going to gas. Like, I, I don't know. Like, the guy looks in peak form. Um, Robert Whitaker looks small compared to him, but everyone does. So I, it made me waver a bit. I'm going to stick with Whitaker. Whitaker by KO in the second. Bobby Knuckles pulls it through and makes a statement win on his way to, you know, uh, bringing the title home to Australia. Yeah, I got to pick Real Romero. I never wavered from this. I like Robert Whitaker. I think Robert Whitaker is a, a very talented fighter. He showed us a lot when he beat Jock Ray. And Yoel Romero. That fight he, swung me, by the way. Yeah. When Romero beat Chris Weidman, it kind of changed my perspective. Because the thing is about Romero is that he's an Olympic wrestler. And when he uses his wrestling, he's awfully effective. It's hard to stop his takedowns. I don't know if he's going to need to do that against Robert Whitaker, who is going to be there to be hit. Um, Robert Whitaker's got great stand-up, and he can clip you at any time. But I think the combination of Romero's athleticism, his power, and his takedowns, like if he establishes the takedowns early and makes Robert Whitaker think about stopping the takedown, Whitaker's going to get knocked out. Well, I watched the UFC, like, you know, the little breakdown show, which is one of my favorite YouTube shows to watch. Um where they break it down. It's like 20 minutes long. I'm sure you guys know the name. That shit's incredible. I watch it for every card now just because it's wildly informative. And Robert Whitaker is top three in the UFC all time in takedown defense. Yeah, I know. 91%. And he's fought Jacare, um, Tavares, two different but, weight classes. It's like, come on. Man. I, that but, says something. He but has that's like 10 it. Fights. But he's never fought a real wrestler. Like, he, like, you look at these people he's fought. Yeah, he got knocked out by Stephen Thompson, and they fought at welterweight. He moved into middleweight, and he's been undefeated since he moved to welterweight, which is clearly the weight class for him. But he's never fought a physical specimen like Yoel Romero. And, he, and he's never fought a wrestler like Romero. So Romero can take him down. had close fights against Jacare. That fight wasn't runaway. That was a close fight. The Weidman fight was really close before the knee. But, but you can't really use MMA. That was a, to a toss-up round. No, I'm just saying, I'm not saying, like, this guy beat this guy and this guy didn't, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying his fights have been close fights. He stops people in the third. 
when it's 1-1 rounds going into the third. Or you're like, oh, it's a toss-up, and then he ends up getting the stoppage. Versus Jacare, it was a split decision. It could have went either way. Like, he hasn't been a world beater. No, he hasn't been a world beater, but he's beating everybody that they put in front of him. That's true. <laughs> that is true. So, so, I'm not saying, like, look, I'm not saying that Rodriguez is going to get washed. I just think that Romero has more, dy- like, there's a little bit more dynamic aspects of his game that can create openings for him to take advantage. Romero's got a sick ground and pound. There, there are just a lot of factors that can lead him to the victory. That's not to say that Whitaker won't catch him, because Whitaker's pretty damn accurate as well. It's just if, if Romero is on his A game and shows off that athleticism and, and, and makes Whitaker think about the takedowns, I think he'll create an opening to, to hurt him and stop him with ground to pound. So I'm going to pick Romero. It's just not a landslide. Like It's very conceivable that Robert Whitaker can become the new interim middleweight champion. Yeah, it's close. I mean, man, once again, at least we're looking at two high-level fighters. We can say they both deserve this, and in our pit of our stomachs, I believe we both think they will. Either one will beat uh, Michael Bisping when they get the shot at him. Yes. All right. So we can agree this is for the true championship because Bisping is just a sitting duck waiting to get beaten. Um, in the main event, Amanda Nunez versus Valentina Shevchenko, running it back. Uh, exciting first fight. Amanda started off well. Valentina came on late in the fight. Amanda gassed. Amanda hasn't had to go deep in a fight since. So we don't know if she's corrected that. Um, it's really crazy. It's a toss-up. I don't think she's going to need it. I think she stopped Shevchenko in the first two rounds. I don't. I'm picking Shevchenko to win this fight. Oh, shit. The hot potato continues? Yeah. You love the hot I, potato belts. I don't love it, but I think... The first fight, Shevchenko found what she needed to find and damn near beat Amanda Nunez in that third round. Unfortunately for her, it was only a three-round fight. If it was five rounds, I think Shevchenko would have won. Shevchenko's only other loss was the Liz Carmouche, and that was because she got caught with an upkick. It caused a cut, and they stopped the fight. Um, But it should have been a legal upkick, and Carmouche should have been DQ'd. So Shevchenko's only loss to Amanda Nunez. I don't want to say that the titles made Amanda Nunez a different person, but it kind of has. <laughs> she, she's become this, like, world beater, you know, knocking out Ronda Rousey, knocking out, I mean, uh, choking out Misha Tate, and she beat Valentina Shevchenko. Prior to that, she got knocked out by Kat Zingano, like, two fights before. I think she fought, like, Shayna no, Baszler. she's on a five-fight winning streak. That's what I'm saying, like, two... Oh, like, before Shevchenko, yeah, two right. fights. She lost to Zingano. Yeah, choked out Sarah but McMahon. New Year's has looked like a monster. Don't get me wrong. But Shevchenko is one of those those fighters that I feel is built for a longer fight. I feel like she's a she's not a points fighter like Holly Holm. She's the antithesis to that. She is she's accurate, she's strong, and she stays she's well conditioned. In a five round fight, I think it could present problems. And Shevchenko showed off a pretty surprising ground game that none of us saw coming when she armbarred uh, Juliana Pena. Yeah, slick slick transition on the ground. So this fight, I think there's, there's a lot for Amanda to actually worry about. Um, I don't think either of them is going to get stopped. I think this is going to go to a decision. I think Shevchenko is going to pull it out. Um, again, not a decision I'm wholeheartedly like, if you put a gun to my head, this is, what, this is who I pick if you put a gun to my head. But this is a tough fight to pick. I just think Shevchenko 
is going to show us something and we're going to have a new champion at the end of the night. I just feel like a lot of people are picking Nunez because of the momentum, but Nunez, you know, she beat Amisha Tate who kind of didn't really want to be there anymore and a Ronda Rousey who clearly didn't want to be there anymore. So, <laughs> no, I'm but not so I mean, sure. just going down and looking at it, this, this fight goes two ways and all of Amanda's fights have been this way. Amanda, when she wins uh, outside of the Shevchenko fight, which you said she held on to, she damn near lost, but Ronda Rousey, first-round stoppage. Misha Tate, first-round stoppage. Sarah McMahon, first-round stoppage. Baszler, first-round stoppage. And then Katzen Gano fight, she gets TKO'd when? Third round. It goes past the second, she gasses, she loses. Before then, Deronime beat her, first-round stoppage. Gath beat her, first-round stoppage. You go back to her loss before then. Uh, Sarah D'Elio and Invicta, she lost. Three-round fight. Alexis Davis beat her at the end of the second round in strike force, TKO. The fight she wins, first round stoppage, first round stoppage. It's all up and down her record. Second round stoppage. If it goes anywhere in the third and further, it's a wrap for her. And the Shevchenko fight could have went either way. So it, it's, it's, it's real. If she's going to win, it's in the first two rounds. If this makes it to the third round, we can start typing our and the new in our article. Because that's just how our fights go. I just have her stopping it in the first two rounds. Yeah, I don't think she couldn't stop it this time. I don't think like, like she's fought painfully suspect strikers. Who that? Those are the people that she's been able to stop. Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, uh, Sarah McMahon, Shayna Baszler. All people who are very susceptible to strikes. Valentina Shevchenko is a great striker. So, yeah, I'm gonna leave it with Tori Shevchenko here. All right. So that's our MMA coverage for right now. We had a nice long segment. We're going to take a break, come back because we still have to talk pro wrestling. It was a crazy weekend dominated by New Japan and you know a little WWE sprinkled in there. There was a go home show. we got to prepare for great balls of fire. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper Mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great North. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100 day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know like 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards a Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep and these things are for real. We are back. It's pro wrestling time. And like we said before the break, it is great balls of fire weekend. But we're not going to lead off with that because there was actually some really good quality wrestling this week. Um, hopefully you guys caught it. Nights one and two. G1 in Los Angeles. New Japan invaded the States. They crowned a new United States champion in a tournament. Great matches. Um, also, Okada was there putting on some good matches as well. He defended his title against... Cody Rhodes. Um, 
Andreas, you just crammed all of this in after coming back from vacation. What stood out to you? How how excellent Kenny Omega is. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of didn't. I wasn't sure if he'd win the title here because I thought they kind of maybe keep it off of him for before G one. But I guess it does make sense if you're trying to expand into the states, even though Kenny Omega is Canadian. Um, <laughs> They're like, yo, close enough. You guys are all yeah. Insane. But watching his three matches against Ishii, against Jesus uh, uh, Jay Lethal and uh, Michael Elgin. It just made me think, like, dude, he's re- he's really hit his stride as a pro wrestler. Um, of course, the Okada matches were great, but Okada just has great matches with damn near everybody. But Omega just he just he was so good in this tournament. Like his sprint, like Jay, the Jay Lethal match was essentially a sprint, like because it was it was a fifteen minute match, but it was so good. He sold the Lethal Injection better than anybody I've ever seen. Um, and he also kind of rescued. If you go back and watch that match, when Jay Lethal goes for the lethal injection, oh, it was a botch. He's about almost like a foot away, and Omega's kind of sh- he subtly shifts to be caught by the lethal injection, and like Lethal completely missed Adam Page in their match. Um, but yeah, man, Kenny Omega, he's he's a star. He's he is a star, and it's weird because I don't think I don't know if WWE would ever know what to do with a guy like that. They would tone down his style so much. Um. Yeah, yeah, like I was talking to Jonathan Snowden on Twitter, and we had a three-hour conversation about this. And I said, you know what? Kenny's not the most talented wrestler in the world right now. He's not the most technical wrestler in the world right now. I think that goes to Okada. The most talented is probably AJ Styles. But what he does better than I'd say everyone right now is tell a story. And you don't need four months build for him to tell the proper story in the ring. Each one of these matches in the tournament didn't need history with anyone he was facing. Ishii had it, but, you know, that that was still a great continuation match. But the other ones, you know, Big Mike and then Jay Lethal, they didn't need a huge history behind it. He told the story within his 15 minutes of those matches, and he does that better than anyone else right now. Well, I mean, he has history at Elgin, too. Um, They fought for the IC, IC title in the latter match, which was... Excellent as well. No, I mean um, like an ongoing storyline. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Omega, like the thing that he does very well is a thing that a lot of people don't like. And I don't think it would work in the WWE. His facial expressions border on comical sometimes. <laughs> and when he does that, I think purists don't like it. And if he came to WWE, they try to tell him to t- tone it down. Um. But what he does bring to you is just it's it's the level of excitement and there's a level of like there's a level of innovation in watching Kenny Omega matches that is seldom seen in pro wrestling because the way he shifts gears very well. Right. Like when he starts hitting those 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 knees, it just becomes a thing of like brutal beauty because they come so fast and they're so hard hitting. But then he'll you know, he'll catch you in like a cross leg suplex or. Um, you know, there's just certain things that he does that just jump out at you. And yeah, I've been watching he doesn't have a moveset. He's the anti-Ambrose. Yeah, like he does, like he, you can't really call his match and be like, all right, five moves of doom. Like he does different <laughs> things. And like the way he transitioned Jay Lethal into the lethal, I mean, the, the one wing angel was amazing. Um, but he's just right now, he's one of the best pro wrestlers in the world. And I, I don't know how anybody can argue against that. Um, I mean, shit, Meltzer's out here giving this guy, you know, six-star matches. 
Um, and, you know, if you look at the match with Naito last year, like, I mean, Kenny Omega's just been on, he's a house on fire. Both New Japan matches, both of them, this one included. Incredible. Ishii bit the ropes. Oh, that was such, I mean, but Ishii, like, Ishii is my, my he's the MVP. Of yeah, well, he's, he's one of my favorite storytellers in pro wrestling, period, because what, what he does is he creates this baby face fire. Like, if you people were rooting against him, just like cheering for Kenny Omega, not necessarily against Ishii, but the way Ishii was selling those strikes and the way he would come back just made you want to see him win. Like, when he bit the ropes, that's an Ishii moment. Nobody else can really do that, and you can believe it. And then he still took the bump like a trooper. Still got a, a, a was that, a dragon suplex? Or, yeah, uh, on the apron? On, on, on the table, through the oh, table. The, through the table, excuse me. Yeah, off the apron, onto the table. Those tables, we need to start them a GoFundMe for better tables. Yeah, I mean, these guys get killed out there. But, I mean, this was a great tournament. I wasn't sure what to expect um, with G1 being in the States. I thought maybe they tone it down. But it was your typical It was different. Show. It wasn't typical. New. It had more of an ROH feel. The crowd was different. Well, well here's the thing. New Japan shows are always extraordinarily long, for one. Like they're always like four hours. They're unnecessarily long, and I think a lot of people for the fir- who watched it for the first time and didn't watch like certain matches on YouTube, what you don't get to see is that New Japan also has a lot of filler, and a lot of the early matches were filler. They had an ROH feel to it because they were filler matches. Yeah, um, six so, man tags. They always have a ton. Yeah, six and, man tags, eight man tags. That's their thing. Oh, and my other takeaway is Billy Gunn should never wrestle again. <laughs> he terrible. seems so out of place and so random. He's so he's just awful. Like he, like I don't think this guy knows how to take a bump anymore. But and why was he going still, against Tanahashi in like a main spot? I feel like it was because they wanted some stateside recognition against Tanahashi, and it okay. wasn't necessary because I feel like the people who bought tickets didn't care if the gun was there or not. They just wanted to see what New Japan was bringing to the states. Yeah, but they threw him in this match, and it sucked. God, it sucked. And Tanahashi did his best to carry gun, but gun bunch of rest holds and. You know, some DX antics. He's terrible. He's like 53. He's in great shape. He's terrible. <laughs> he wasn't that great when he was in his prom. Um, all right. Stuff that stuck out to me. The Melter Driver by the Young Bucks. Um, I believe it was on Beretta. They're going to kill Beretta one of these times. Beretta yeah. takes the craziest bumps. And I don't like Rapungi Vice, but I got to give that man his props. He sells everything. But the Melter Driver, you know, from inside the ring... Over the post, outside of the ring, that shit was insane. Um, then we have, obviously, Omega running through. Uh, man, War Machine, I thought they had a good night one match. Gorilla Destiny. Zack Sabre Jr., I wish I saw more of him. I'm still not sold on Juice Robinson. Even Juice was so over with that crowd, though. So Ooh, over. Man. Everyone loves Juice right now. And Ricochet's promo. Oh, God. <laughs> and Ricochet is my dude. I still think he's what, a top five, top ten wrestler in the world. He hasn't gotten any better at promos. But he never had to talk in Lucha Underground. He never had to talk in New Japan. or So I don't know when he's supposed to get better. He doesn't have to do it. This is his first time being asked to do so. He was bad. It wasn't I mean, good. Look. I love Ricochet. I think he's a great talent. But like I said, I've said it before, this is the thing that's going to keep him out of WWE for a while. He can't talk. And I think at this point, with NXT's already you know, invaded a majority of independent rosters, I think they're going to stop their purge now. 
they're going to just slow it down a bit. They'll pick up a pe- person here and there. You know, we'll probably see Adam Cole and uh, maybe a couple other people here and yeah, there. Red Dragon, obviously, because you know, possibly, possible. possibly. But um, the thing is, I think they want a, f- a finished product. I don't think they want somebody that they really have to work on. Like Lucha Underground was good for Ricochet because they were able to hide him under a mask. Yeah, and and so he didn't need to talk. Uh, when he wrestles everywhere else in New Japan, he doesn't need to talk. But man, he is not a talker. He's <laughs> he's just he's just not good at it. Nah, he's he's very country and lacks char- like any type of charisma. For exciting as his move set is and how exciting as he is in the ring, he is the exact opposite on the mic. It's yeah, worse than Balor when he had to make the transition. Yeah, he's he, he's bad. He's brutal. Brutal. But if he can be in the Titus O'Neil stable, he might not need to talk. Yeah. I am sold on Titus as a manager. We'll get to do Sign me up to the Titus brand. Um, all right, that's pretty much the weekend. Kenny Omega is a champion. Uh, Okada kept his belt against Cody Rhodes, which was a decent match. Cody went for 30 minutes, and I didn't feel like it was a horrible match. I no, can't man. remember the last time Cody was able to go for 20, 30 minutes. Look, I'm going to make this statement, and I know we said we are going to talk about it on the rundown anyway. Okada is the best wrestler in the world right now. Y'all, y'all can talk about Kenny Omega, AJ Styles. You can talk about whoever you want. It's hard to go against AJ, but I, I have to agree. Kazuka Okada is the best pro wrestler in the world right now. And it's so funny because he was in TNA and they completely misused him and let him slip through the cracks. But this guy has put he on... He learned set- so much from that, though. Eh, he's, but, I mean, the repackaging of Okada, like when he came for TNA and, went and became the Rainmaker... First of all, his entrance is always excellent. His move said everything he does is great. But his story, his ability to tell a story, like his, all of his matches with Tanahashi on a major stage, uh, the few this year alone, Shibata, Suzuki, uh, you know, obviously, dude, he made Cody Rhodes have over a four star match, and and it, he's he's really that good. It's fun. Like and he's controlled chaos. Like as fun as Kenny Omega is to watch him fly over the ropes and do these crazy moves, Kazusuke Okada knows how to keep him pace a match properly. Like I don't, I dude, there's nobody better in the business than him right now. No, I can't I pick. To, I have to agree. Like he's number one, and he's twenty nine. Yeah, he's a remarkable, remarkable talent. And, and anybody who you know, like I said I love AJ Styles, but dude, everybody who wrestles Okada. Has to take it up a notch. We haven't seen anyone this good at this age since Daniel Bryan. No. I mean, yeah, Daniel Bryan was excellent in ROH. At like 27, um, 28, Daniel Bryan was better than everyone in the world. Yeah, Storytelling, carrying people through matches, 40 minutes, it, it didn't get any better. And Okada is on that level at this age. Styles yeah, had to go to New Japan. He was a little older. He took his lumps. He had amazing matches. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, TNA Styles was great, but he wasn't that guy, best in the world guy. Until well, I have to I have to argue that a little bit because I think he he was misused towards his tail end of his TNA career, like when he became emo AJ Styles. <laughs> like a lot of people remember, it was like the TNA was it that just with bo- Biker Samoa Joe. They just yeah, ruined everyone. They, they just botched a lot of things. Like Samoa Joe, one of the best. You know, everybody knows he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Always has been. Um, when he was he was a house of fire when he came to TNA. When Hulk Hogan and Bischoff and the old people came and. Like, if anybody remembers, the Joe Kurt Angle match was phenomenal. 
But then it was like all these old people, and then they put AJ in like these weird spots. AJ was already made, but he kind of rejuvenated his career in New Japan because like it was, the shackles were off. He was able to do his thing in New Japan. So I, like just TNA just they kind of held him back. Um, but yeah, he kicked it up to another level in New Japan. But Okada, he's the king of New Japan, and I don't think he should ever leave. I don't think he should ever come to the. Well, WWE. he said he never wanted to, but then he was backstage at Raw. And people are like he's just visiting, he's seeing, saying hi to his friends. Yeah, you don't. You can visit them after the show. You can go nah. out to eat. You can do something. Being backstage is very poignant. It is the first little bit of doubt, and it's very public. Taking pictures with Finn Balor wearing his jacket is very public. It gives doubt that prior to this wasn't there. It's now a what if. Yeah, I don't. I take it with a grain of salt. Him showing up backstage. I mean, he is New Japan, and WWE has made it a point to actually recognize outside organizations now, because um, they can't do it anymore. They can't keep calling them the competition or around the world. Like they start mentioning New Japan by name. They mention Dragon Gate. I don't think Okada. I mean, the fact, he doesn't speak any English. I don't think he's signing now, but I think eventually, the, I think the the seeds are planted to okay. They know who he is, and they open their door to him. They have people in the building that can co-sign for him. And he is now willing to step into the building, which just says a lot. I don't know if it says anything. But, you know, anything can happen in the world of pro wrestling. I personally would never want to see Okada in WWE. Yeah, and he, I don't think he goes for another two or three years. I mean, he that, does, at earliest. He speaks no English, dude. Like, he speaks, I mean, it's super, like, Nakamura at least speaks English. He speaks no English. He speaks like three it, languages, though. That's unfair to compare him to Nak. Yeah, but but my point is is that WWE, I don't think they know what to do with another Asian wrestler. I think they've reached their Asian limit, right? <laughs> quota. Yeah, I think the Japanese limit like is has been reached, and Nakamura is like a superstar on the roster. Well, if we're have, having a race draft, they can just trade him for Atami, and all works out. Well, he's hit his ceiling for sure, but I don't know. Like stranger things have happened, it could happen. I didn't think we see Nakamura in the WWE either, so. You never know. I, I just don't take this whole WWE visit. I, I was like, yeah, they're in town. He shows up. Big deal. <laughs> She's a, a few of the old homies, and they're like, hey, what's up? Let's take a picture. And people get excited, but that's about it. That's about it. Always raining on the parade. Every yeah. time. Let's switch it over to the WWE then. So I can that's rain on your parade. Yeah, that's raining on my parade. <laughs> um, man, let's start with SmackDown, since Raw has a pay-per-view coming up, because you love these quick pay-per-views. With small builds and rehashes. So we have on SmackDown, it was a good SmackDown episode. Highlighted by the Usos versus the New Day rap battle. Wale was the judge. That shit had me rolling. That was fun. That was about the most blackest thing I've seen on pro wrestling in a long time. Yo, the Usos came like they were straight out the bay. Yo, the Usos came like we're auditioning for Wale. Like they came like (laughs) we want a record deal. Like if if any... (laughs) They were really trying to rap. Like for a minute there, I was like, "Yo, this is kind of this is not good for the new day." Like Usos are actually kind of doing well out here. Yeah, MMG signed Adrian Broner. Usos can have a deal. Give them the chain. Boy, but yeah, (laughs) I mean it was it was. I mean they referenced Xavier Woods' sex tape. (laughs) That shit was crazy. While they hit the deck, everyone was like, "Oh." Yeah, while they lost a shoe, like I mean it was. That was a great segment. It was a very fun segment. I'm glad this WWE is more open to doing things like this. And having Wale there Correct after... SmackDown. I mean SmackDown, whatever. Because they don't, they don't care. I'm completely 
I'm not even calling it WWE anymore. It's two separate brands. Oh, whatever. Um, but they don't take those chances on Raw. Vince is in the house for Raw. I swear to God. I and mean, he's like, nah, man. But, yeah, it, I mean, it was good to see um, something like this on SmackDown. And, I mean, the Usos as heels have been... Usos are one of the best tag teams in the world. Let's just put it out there. Yo, and as heels, they've, they've hit their stride. They, Much better as heels. I don't know how someone can't like them now. Because, nah, once again, their work rate is good enough. They're athletic enough. They do their thing. And the characters, they sell the characters. Yeah, they're, they're good in their heels, so their personalities come out a little bit more. And uh, I mean, it wasn't too long ago they had like an epic match with uh, Rowan and Harper. Um, but, you know, I think these are guys that if they were on the indie circuit, they'd kill it. But oh, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah, because the gloves would be off. These characters on the indie circuit, with their athleticism, it's crazy. Um, AJ Styles had a big night. Him versus Chad Gable, which was a great match. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things that was putting over Gable, which is weird because Jason Jordan was in the U.S. title battle royal. It's like they weren't wearing their American Alpha stuff. I don't know what's going on. But American Alpha is clearly like one of the biggest failures from NXT. Yeah. Had a ton of momentum and just went nowhere. Vaude villains were pretty bad, too. Hopefully but, they can catch it again, though, because the wrestling holds up. Their skill holds up. Yeah, so, I mean, the Styles and Gable, and, I mean, Styles giving them the look to kind of put Gable over. After the match, yeah, Gable might be in for a singles career. I mean, look, uh, clearly they're not opposed to breaking up tag teams at work. Like we saw with Enzo and Cass. So maybe. We'll talk about. Uh, yeah. And Gable can talk as well. So, you know, maybe we're about to see Ready, Willing, and Gable. I'm not mad at that. Gable did his thing, and once again, SmackDown's the land of opportunity. Um, AJ went on to win the Battle Royal and get a rematch with Kevin Owens. So Big all shot. of this, yeah, is pretty much just to rehash the same damn feud all over again. Which is what they love doing in WWE nowadays, because um, there's a million pay-per-views and they can't build anything. And then we have Orton versus Jinder Mahal. Do you care? Don't care. Don't care. Why don't are care. they still feuding? Don't know. Don't care. All don't right. care. I was, I was more happy to see Rusev return. Me too. Slimmer. Him and Cena. I'll see that again. Yeah. Slimmer and meaner Rusev. Like, Rusev looked like he dropped a little bit of weight, toned, toned up a little bit. I think he just cut his hair. I think you're, it's the illusion of having a different haircut. No, nah, I think he's I think he's a little bit tighter and you know in the midsection. I think he was a little bit heavier in the midsection before. I think he's he's kind of tightened up. And the, yes, the beard and the haircut does help. But uh <laughs> but he I I mean I've been I've always been a big Rusev guy. I like the guy a lot. So him and John Cena is far more interesting than goddamn or in the hall. Yeah. yeah. I'm not interested in that at all. And you touch on it John Cena returned him versus Rusev. I think that'll be dope. It's probably going to be a one-off because I expect John Cena to go and take this belt off from a hall. Yeah, it feels like the perfect USA versus, you know, Middle Eastern foreigner angle that the WWE has been prone to do for decades. But, yeah, it seems like that's where they're probably going to go with this. I, it, it'd be funny if Mahal beat Cena, too, though. That would be pretty interesting. <laughs> then everyone's just putting Mahal over. Um Let's see. So that's them. We'll talk about them when their pay-per-view approaches a little more. Going to Raw now. A couple interesting feuds there. It really shaped the pay-per-view. Instead of going over Raw, which I don't know if there was anything crazy that really happened. Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar just had a sit-down. Well, I mean, look. Still good, though. I feel, I'm starting to feel like if they don't do something smart with Samoa Joe soon, they're going to really ruin this. Samoa Joe has carried that. And I'm not saying this because I'm a big Samoa Joe, Mark, but he's really carried the hell out of this feud. Like, their, their little sit-down interview when Joe was, like, 
Brock, I'm coming for you. He like leaves the room. Yo, it's there hasn't ever really been a true badass to face Brock Lesnar. Oh, it's so believable, right? Yeah, it's like it's like legit. So I hope the match is like a serious war where these two go at it because obviously I don't think Joe's going to go over. It'd be a huge surprise. I just don't think they're going to pull the trigger like that. But I think if if nothing else, because before I was like, ah, Samoa Joe's going to win. They're going to put him like you know upper mid card status moving forward and put some guys over. I think he's like a legit guy. Even if he loses to Lesnar, it'd be a huge mistake not to put him in the main event picture for a long time. I think he pulled the same thing AJ Styles did, where they're like, yo, we just need a late fill-in. This guy is experienced. Let's toss him in. They're like, yo, trust me, he can do it. They're like, eh, okay. And Styles took it and ran with it, ended up champion for a year. And I think Joe's taking the same opportunity due to the Strowman injury. They're like, yo, it's the last minute. Who can just be real quick off the top of the head who's experienced? Like, yo, Joe can do it. All right, Joe, just bridge the gap. And he's taking an opportunity and running with it. Dude, look, if he, like, Brock Lesnar hasn't had a really actual good match in a long time. Granted, you know, people love the Goldberg thing. It was quick, it was snappy, it was power moves and a finish. I think there's just going to have to be more with Samoa Joe. I'm okay with Samoa Joe getting an IC title push. I'm not. I don't want to see that. He Um, doesn't have to hold the main belt if they want to set up the stupid Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I don't care, whatever. Give Joe something. I, I don't. I just want Joe to be in the main picture, right? I, 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 I think he's proven himself. Just looming. Um, yeah, just lurking and beating people up. Um, it's just really hard in the WWE because you got to move people around a lot. So, and but I just think this this feud with Lesnar, he's the one guy. And if they want to go back to this feud, I think they can. Yeah. He's the one guy that can take the belt off of Lesnar, and people are like, ah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely no one not really Reigns. has that. Yeah, Which not is, that's who's going to take the belt off him. But yeah, Eventually. it's not going to be believable. Right. But yeah, that was a high point on Raw. Everything else was whatever. Um, you know, I feel like Alexa Bliss, you know, we'll talk about the, the pay-per-view in a minute. But everything else about Raw was just kind of there. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else that stuck out to me at all. No. All right. Let's go through the pay-per-view then. Great balls of fire. Uh, <laughs> Neville versus Akira Tozawa. Um, I like Tozawa. I like the Titus brand. Um, I think Neville still wins because you don't take the belt off him yet. He's carried it for a long time. I consider, I, I think he continues to do so. But I like the feud. I think it's fun. I think it's nice to put Tozawa up on that pedestal again. And uh, I think it's going to be a good match. Obviously, I think Neville's going to win. But I, I, I said um for this reason. The other thing that I remember from Raw is God bless Apollo Crews for damn near killing himself against Braun Strowman. Oh, God. <laughs> Yo, he got like leg pressed and turned into a pretzel. That was almost the end of Apollo Crew. Yeah, he damn near got murdered. But the Titus brand is looking really good. Uh, I enjoy it. But I think Tazawa and Neville will put on a great match. Um, I think maybe Titus tries to interfere in this match. Um, but it's weird because I, I can't figure out if they're heels or baby faces. I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. See, I but think the- Titus is a heel, but they are baby faces and he's trying to convert them. It's an interesting dynamic. I like him as a manager. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's really fun. But yeah, yeah I'll pick and it I up. think he was perfect for Apollo Cruz and even better for Tazawa. I like that he's floating between two shows, which is two hundred five live and you know Raw and the main Raw. I like it, and it's better yeah. than Titus Wrestling. I think this is his role. I think this role. He's forty one years old. I think. I think this role might carry him in the WWE for the next ten fifteen years. Possible, very possible. Yeah, because there's no one else doing. I mean, you got Paul Heyman. It's nice to have another manager. Um. 
So that match is there. Let's see what else. Enzo Amore versus Big Cass. I mean, Big Cass has got to go over, right? I of mean, course, it, and it's five it, minutes. It, it's going to be a five-minute match. Squash it. I mean, Enzo's a sympathy guy. He's, he's the damsel in distress type of wrestler. Similar to what, like, Chad Gable is in American Alpha. He goes out there, he'll get beat up, and he gets the hot tag, and now there's nobody to tag anymore. But no matter what happens to Enzo, he's still over. Um, so, yeah, he loses this feud. He puts on a spirited fight and gets crushed. Um, and then they, they, they're going to have some kind of uh, stipulation match to blow the shoot off at SummerSlam. Don't know what it'll be. That but it'll be on the pre-show. It'll, it'll be like a street fight or some shit like that. And I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think it'll be on the pre-show. I think this Enzo casting is drawing a lot of emotion out of the audience. People really like Enzo. They do. And they, WWE and Vince has a hard-on for tall guys with long hair. Um, so he wants, you know, Cass on a main picture type of thing. I just don't see Cass working. I see a year from now them reconciling and finally getting a tag team push. They should have got all together. Yeah, I, I, people I are going to be happy to see them back as a tag team and they finally get that, that little extra push that they needed. I mean, maybe Enzo becomes the 205 Live. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with Enzo. I really don't. But as of right now, I think this feud works for what it is. I, yeah. I hate that they a split them up. Part and then back together, to me, might be a blessing in disguise. Could be. But yeah, Cass is probably going to kill him. Yeah, good chance on that one. Um, the Miz versus Dean Ambrose. The Miz has a full stable now. Maurice, Bo Dallas, Curtis Axel, Dean Ambrose. I've seen this shit 18 times this past year. Please just let the Miz win, and we just keep it moving. Yeah, let the Miz on win. The I mean, this feud took place on SmackDown. It's made its way to Raw. I don't understand why it was so much talent on these. It's just a mismanagement of talent. I say it every goddamn week. But yeah, Miz needs to go over here. Ambrose, uh, it feels like he's stuck in the mud. Yeah, tired of seeing. And if you're gonna keep Finn Balor away from the main title picture for a year, give him a belt. And Miz is a heel. Finn versus. The against the odds, Miz, Maurice, Dallas, Axel is a pretty good way to go after this. Um, talking about that, we have Finn versus the Drifter. Which I'm I not guess sure. it, Was that confirmed? Yeah, that's confirmed. I, I just feel like they had nothing for Finn to do, and they were like, well, yeah. Elias, and it, it's weird because Elias Samson is actually pretty good on the main roster. I, I always like felt Samson. that way. I liked him in NXT. He gets natural heat. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's one of those guys who's built for the main roster. Um, but this feud is just really strange to me. It just is a placeholder because Finn has nothing to do. But Finn has to go over here. Yeah, yeah Finn's going over. There's no other way about it. And I don't want to see him waste the paint. So yeah. let him go over, let him challenge the Miz at SummerSlam, and then break out the paint. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus versus the Hardy Boys, 30-minute Ironman match. This has some problems. It does. It does. I think the, the Hardys will get the title back. But more importantly, I think this will actually pretty be, be a pretty decent match. Um, well, I, I think the Hardys lose, by the way. I think they don't blow this off until SummerSlam. That's very possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see that happening. I'm just more concerned with the quality of the match. I don't even care who wins, to be honest with you. The Hardys actually been putting in some pretty good matches. No, I agree. It's just this a 30-minute Ironman match. So you got yeah. 30 minutes. in a, The first time we've seen a tag team Ironman match, right? I don't yeah. think we've ever seen I, this I No, I don't recall seeing one. I'm glad it's only 30 and not 60. Yeah. But it's still so, a lot of time. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how these guys go. We know Cesaro can go. We know Cesaro can go 90 minutes if he has to. But uh, this, I'm interested in this. Yeah, definitely. Um, next up, Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks. Uh, I'm taking Sasha. Even though it's smart to do it at SummerSlam, 
in a stipulation for her to win, but why not now? I'll tell you why. Because there's a feud with Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax brewing. And to take, like, Alexa Bliss... I wouldn't mind a triple threat at SummerSlam. Nah. I think where Okay, so there's a couple things here to unpack. One, I don't think there's any wrestler that I watch that enjoys the moment more than Sasha Banks. When I watch Sasha come out with Bailey, like she genuinely enjoys that moment. So it's really hard. Like eventually they're gonna have to turn her heel again, but it's really hard when she's having so much fun living out her dream. Yeah, and she's too endearing to the fans at this level. Yeah. The other thing is, Alexa Bliss is the type of heel who kind of needs the belt, and I think she's more. She her her importance to the roster is exponentially more with her having the belt than without it. And it's always good to have a heel with the belt and somebody chasing it. And I feel like this match got came together kind of quick, so Sasha can't win it right now. I think Alexa put going over on Sasha is the thing that can establish Alexa as a true champion. Like she she squashed Bailey pretty much, and she'll find a way to beat Sasha. But I think that the money's in her feuding with Nia Jax. See, I think Nia tries to help Alexa and ends up costing her the match. Sasha Banks wins. Maybe she like goes to punch Sasha Banks. She hits Alexa by mistake, and Sasha wins the match, and you get a three-way feud. Yeah, see, I don't know, and, and but that again, it's a problem with such a small women's roster. It's not really too many places for you know yeah, a Bailey yeah. or a Sasha Banks to go. It's like exactly. you, everybody expects Sasha and Bailey to feud, but the way these two are acting together, it's, it's hard to even see that materializing in the, over the next month. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my pick. I'm gonna go with Alexa Bliss. All right, and then we have. Let's go up to Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Ambulance match. A good ambulance. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Strowman's going to win. Because he's going to face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. That's it. That's it. I don't think so. What? <laughs> Super I, Reigns? I, yeah. I hate to say this. Because this is not what I want to see happen. But I feel like Braun Strowman could lose an ambulance match. And he's still kind of protected. Because anything can happen. You can, like, fall into the ambulance, right? Like, I, I feel like Roman's going to win in some goofy way. And Strowman, like, fall in the ambulance or trip or some shit. Because Roman can't really pick him up. It has to be some great feat that it, Roman squeaks by Braun Strowman. I think that's what's going to happen. I'm, I know that they want to go with this Lesnar-Strowman thing. But it just feels like a weird feud with Lesnar and Strowman because... They're both like in betweeners, like, right? Like they're not like. I know. Well, I mean, Strowman's only an in betweener because he's feuding with Roman. But that's my point. He like, would be Lesnar, a monster heel if it wasn't for him whooping Roman's ass every day and people loving it. But Lesnar's like the baby face because Joe's such a heel, right? And Strowman's like kind of a baby face to fans because Roman's such a dick. So it's like when you put those two <laughs> people together. It's a weird feud because it's like, well, who do you cheer for? And then that match could be an absolute travesty between Lesnar and Strowman. Strowman's not the type of guy that's going to make Lesnar work. Um, so I feel like they're going to kind of pull the trigger on Lesnar-Roman a little bit sooner than the, what they originally had planned. Just my two cents. I'm not sure. But I just feel like I feel I like Roman's going to find a way. I mad at that because it at least gives me some hope for WrestleMania. And yeah. I already said, we're going to WrestleMania because it's in New Orleans. I've never been to New Orleans. Yeah, definitely. So we got to take the trip. It is what it is. It's just, man, I don't want that to be the main event. I don't care. I don't. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Um, I'm paying my money. Damn it! I want a good main event. 
give me knock versus styles or something um main event time here lesnar versus samoa joe uh there's only one way squash match or no squash match i don't think it'll be a squash i think they put too much work into this um to have lesnar just go over on joe like he's nothing so i think this is actually gonna be a very hard fought match i think lesnar will still win unfortunately but i'd love to see joe take the title off him but i just don't think it's gonna happen I don't think so either. I think Lesnar wins, but I think maybe there's some blood. Uh, you know, Lesnar loves to bleed. Yeah, he does what he wants. So um, I think it could be some blood. It's going to be stiff. It's going to be more MMA fight than pro wrestling. I think they're really going to roll and, and get some good. We're going to see a double leg. We're going to see ground and pound. Um, Joe's going to cover up. He's going to reverse stuff. There's going to be submissions, which is something the WWE has kind of taken away from joe they focus really a lot on the kohina clutch but you know um joe is well versed in submissions so i think yeah. we see some you know some rolling around i think we see some good submissions from him and brock it'd be smart if this match is just really physical that's yeah, what happens I, I feel like it's going to be more mma than pro wrestling not a squash match and i think you know brock wins but his face is going to show the tail I hope so. I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. I wasn't looking forward to it before. I thought they were just going to have Lesnar run him over, but Joe's done such a great job, Then now I'm going to watch this match. Sure, me too. So that's the rundown of Great Balls of Fire. This has been a two-hour show for us. I hope you guys enjoyed. I feel like we've been here forever. It's a busy weekend. Thank you guys for listening. Next week, we're going to come back with more craziness. I'm sure something else will happen, just like Rob K and Black China did this week to take us away from combat sports for a little while. But we have a ton of stuff to recap next week. And going forward, as we approach closer and closer to the dream matchup Andreas has been waiting for, McGregor versus Mayweather. I'm sure we'll have their promotional tour and everything to talk about next week. So as we get closer to that, it's going to be a crazy show. But for right now, follow us on all social media, at the corner LSN, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. It's over. We're out. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.